So Merry Christmas, everybody. I don't know about you, but I think I could listen to that intro video all morning long. Anybody else like to slow down just a little bit and, and enjoy that? Did, did that intro video bring back any memories for anybody or anything else that you've walked into this morning? Uh, maybe if you're new, you walked in on campus and you thought, have I entered the, the Charlie Brown themed Christmas series? And are we really doing that? I mean, we have Snoopy's doghouse out there. We have Lucy's counseling booth. We've got Charlie Brown's tree on stage. I mean, I could probably double for Charlie Brown if I had a little squiggly mark up on my head. So if you're wondering, like, what is this all about? I'll explain that in just a minute. Um, but... How many of you have seen the Charlie Brown Christmas movie? All right, so a whole lot of people. Um, can anybody tell me when that movie came out? What was that? 58? I hear 58. Do I have a 60? 65, 1965. Whoever said that got it right. So December 9th, 1965, 58 years ago. A Charlie Brown Christmas movie came out. So um, it's been around for a long time. And again, I'll explain why we're even talking about Charlie Brown in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to take a holiday survey. Okay, so I would like to hear what your favorite holiday is. I've got a list of holidays here that I'm going to go through here in just a minute. And when we get to your holiday, if you would shout out your passion and excitement for that holiday, okay? So I'll go through the list and, you know, one that, that you like, but you don't love as much as another one, you can give a shout out. But when we hit yours, give the big shout out, okay? Here we go. Does anybody like New Year's? There are three people that are excited about the New Year. Just to tell you, your holiday's coming. Here's New Year's for you. St. Patrick's Day. Okay, there's a few that like that. Easter. It's a big holiday, Memorial Day. Yeah, we're grateful for, for those who've sacrificed their lives for us. July 4th. Okay, Halloween. A lot of folks who like Halloween. Veterans Day. Love our veterans. Thanksgiving. Okay, Christmas. All right, obviously this is not scientific, but I think... Christmas one out on that one. Uh, actually, the web st website Statista reports that Americans' top three favorite holidays are this in this order. Thanksgiving ranked number one, followed by Christmas, then Memorial Day. So, uh, you know, those holidays are all very special to many of us for, for different reasons. But my favorite holiday, like many of your favorite holidays, is Christmas. I actually love from Thanksgiving all the way up to the new year. Love that season of our year. And I love almost everything about Christmas. I love the food. I love time with family. I love how Tammy decorates our house. I love Christmas music and Christmas movies and Christmas goodies that Tammy makes. I love the Christmas quiche that Tammy only makes on Christmas morning. I can't even spell quiche, but I love to eat Tammy's quiche. I don't like quiche in general but I like Tammy's quiche. I love watching my kids and my grandkids open presents. I love the traditions that we have made where uh, here's one tradition that we've made for our family. We make one homemade Christmas gift 
for somebody else in the family. We draw names and, and you're responsible for making a homemade gift for that person. And some of those gifts are way more meaningful and valuable to me than something that was bought at a store. It's just such a neat tradition that we've created. I love almost everything about Christmas, but sometimes my feelings about Christmas are different than my experiences of Christmas. So so let me explain. When the Christmas season starts, like right around Halloween, right? I find that I get a little irritated with that. You know, and I'm, I'm in a store and, you know, you, you can buy whatever Halloween stuff that you want and you can start shopping for Christmas. I start getting a little irritated, like, wait a minute. Like, we're, we're like skipping right over Thanksgiving. We're going from give me candy to give me presents and like, we're not slowing down enough to really enjoy the season. So I, I start getting a little bit weird in my emotions and between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I want to slow down. But like many of us, our calendars pick up and we find that we're, we're going to multiple Christmas events. I'm doing Christmas series planning, Christmas Eve planning, planning for the new year like many of us are planning for the new year, except for the people who don't love the new year. There's Christmas shopping that has to be done. There's decorating that has to be done. There's Christmas cooking that I get heavily involved in. Um, and Carol's laughing. I think that was Carol that was laughing. Carol, thank you. So uh, Carol's correct. I actually don't do any Christmas cooking. I do a lot of Christmas eating because Tammy does the cooking and I want to bulk up for the fast that we're going to do in January. So I'm, uh, it's, I take that very seriously. So sometimes at the end of Christmas, I'm a little frazzled and I feel like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree looks. I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. I'm ready for the new year. I'm ready to put all that Christmas stuff behind me and just get on with the next year. Anybody else ever feel like that at the end of Christmas? All right, a number of us feel that way. And you know, when I get to that spot, I'm often asking the same question that Charlie Brown asked 58 years ago. Does anybody really, really know what Christmas is all about? Like, have we forgotten what Christmas is about? You know, 58 years ago, a cartoon character was asking one of the most profound questions that we can ask. Have we forgotten what Christmas is really about? If you've watched the movie, you know that Charlie Brown's best friend, and his name is? Linus. Linus, comes out in that movie and he explains in a very simple way what Christmas is about. And if you haven't seen that in a while, I encourage you to watch that. But Linus reminds us of what Christmas is about, and he tells us it's about three simple things. Christmas is about giving, It's about receiving, and it's about Christ. And today we're going to talk about giving. Now, when I was younger, I would say that receiving would have been my favorite part of Christmas. Uh, You know, as a kid, I loved opening gifts and, you know, receiving was great. But the older I get, the more I find that I enjoy giving a whole lot more than receiving, It's just so fun to watch my family members open up something that they're surprised by or something that they were hoping that they would get. It's just so exciting to watch them get excited. I love watching that for my grandkids. I love watching that with my kids or my wife or other family members. It's it's such a great part of Christmas. So giving is a central part of Christmas, and we actually see that in the book of Matthew. So Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, records an amazing story of Christmas giving. And he starts in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, and he says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. 
And if you're new to the Bible or new to the Christmas story and you're not familiar with Herod, Herod was one bad king. He was actually put in power by the Romans who ruled that part of the world at that time. And so they let Herod rule over Jerusalem and over Israel. He could do anything he wanted with the Jews there, but he had to do whatever Rome told him to do. But he was a ruthless king to the Israelites. He actually killed several of his sons because he thought they were going to take his kingdom away and he killed one of his wives for the same reasons. So King Herod was a a bad king who didn't want to give anybody anything. He wanted to take from everybody. And Matthew 2 verse 1 continues and it says, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Now, these wise men have come to be known as the three kings of the East, but most likely they weren't kings, and most likely there weren't three of them. They were astrologers. They were advisors to kings. They were powerful leaders who most likely came from the Persian kingdom, and most likely they traveled in a large group, which would explain the reaction of Herod and those in Jerusalem in verse three. So verse three says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people. Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Now, Herod had no plans of worshiping Jesus. He wanted to find out where baby Jesus was so he could have him murdered because he did not want Jesus taking his kingdom away from him. And thankfully, God prevented the wise men from letting King Herod know where Jesus was. Verse 9 says, after their interview with Herod, the wise men went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it was time for them to leave. They returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now, let's put ourselves in that story for just a minute. So let's imagine that we are Mary and Joseph. Okay, so Luke chapter two tells us that Mary and Joseph had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem to be there for a census that the Caesar in Rome had required that everyone do. So everyone was traveling to their hometown. And uh, Luke chapter two tells us that as Mary and Joseph were headed there, uh, it was packed. It was so full that the only Airbnb that Joseph could find in Bethlehem was this quaint little place called a stable. And he told Mary, uh, the pictures make it look so cute, but when they got there, it wasn't cute. And Mary was not happy. I don't think she was happy. 
with what was found. So baby Jesus, God who became flesh, was born in a stable where animals live. Imagine the sights, imagine the smells, imagine the sounds. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born in the best hospital in the region. He was born in the last place anyone would want to have a child. That's where Jesus, the creator of the universe, was born. Then imagine being Mary and Joseph and watching this entourage of wealthy, powerful people show up and give your child gifts and bow down to worship your child. So the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh were extremely valuable gifts in that day. And those were gifts typically given to kings in the Middle East in that time frame. So it's believed that the gold that was given to Jesus was given in honor of him being our eternal king. It's believed that the frankincense was given in honor of him being our high priest who stands before God the Father pleading on our behalf every day. And I got to tell you, I am so grateful that Jesus does that on my behalf, especially after some of the stupid decisions that I make. So a lot of us should be saying that. We're grateful that Jesus is our high priest. The myrrh that was given was given in honor of Christ's death, which would make it possible for all who put their faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior to live forever in God's eternal family. So there was this deep significance to the gifts that the wise men gave Jesus. But those weren't the most valuable gifts that they gave. In addition to that, the more valuable gifts they gave were their attention, their presence, and their worship. So first, let's start with their attention. Again, we don't know a lot about these wise men or exactly where they came from, but it is believed that they came from the Persian kingdom hundreds of miles away. So these wise men could have been descendants of Jews that were taken captive by the Babylonians and who stayed in Babylon when the Persians defeated the Babylonians, or they could have been Persian astrologers who studied ancient scriptures that they received from Jews like Daniel, who lived in Babylon and in Persia and was a high-level official in both of those kingdoms. So we aren't exactly sure, but we do know that these wise men diligently studied to learn about Jesus. If they were Jewish descendants, they would be learning about a faith that their grandparents or their great-grandparents or their great-great-grandparents had, or they'd be learning more about a faith that they had maintained while they were in captivity. If they were Persians, they would be learning about a new faith that claimed to be based on the one true king of the world. And they took the time to study to figure out whether that was true or not. And here's how some of that can apply to us. Some of us don't have the faith that our parents or our grandparents had or have. And maybe you grew up in a Christian home, but maybe you didn't make that your faith, or maybe you walked away from Christianity as you got out on your own. And if that's you, I think this Christmas would be the perfect time to re-examine the faith that you grew up around, whether that's your faith now or not. I think now would be the perfect time to really re-examine that because the most important decision that you'll ever make in your entire life is the decision you make about Jesus. It's more important than who you marry. 
It's more important than the career that you take. It's more important than any other decision that you can make. And so re-examining this faith that maybe you walked away from or you never fully embraced, embraced would be and a super important thing to do this Christmas. But maybe you're in a different category. Maybe you didn't grow up in a faith system at all. Maybe uh, faith was not a part of your family upbringing. And so when you hear about this, this Christianity that claims God became flesh, you're kind of skeptical. Like, is that really possible? Is that really a thing? Like, I'm not really sure. But maybe you're curious. Like maybe you're wondering, like, is that really possible? And I would say to you, it is possible, and I recommend you study about that. Just like the wise men, I recommend you take a little time and give a little attention and focus to that. Because again, the decision you make about Jesus is the most important decision you can ever make in your life. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your eternity to spend a little time learning about who Jesus really was and what Jesus has really done. So if either of those descriptions describe you, I recommend you pick up our spiritual growth challenge before you leave, or if you're watching online, there's a link in the comment section, because I have some great resources there that can help you re-examine a faith that you walked away from or examine a faith that you've never had, and I recommend that you get those before you leave. So again, one of the greatest gifts that we can give ourselves, we can give others, we can give God is our attention. And I wonder, will you give God the attention he deserves this Christmas? Will you give God the attention he deserves this Christmas? And imagine this, what if we gave God the same amount of attention we gave technology? If you feel like I'm standing on your toes, I'm standing on mine as well, okay? But what if we gave God the same attention that we give some other things in our lives? If we did, this Christmas might be different. And guess what? Our lives might be different. Another thing that the wise men gave Jesus was their presence. Not with a T at the end of that, but with a C-E at the end of that. So they lived hundreds, if not thousands of miles away from Bethlehem, and they had to take multiple flights to get there. Super complicated. Everybody was traveling on Christmas time. So it was very difficult. And I'm sure that looking at this story now, they're saying like, wow, I wish we could have flown. But no, we had to ride camels and donkeys. We had to walk for a very long time. So it took months to potentially several years to get to where Jesus was. So contrary to the nativity sets that we set out around Christmas time, most likely the wise men didn't show up till Jesus was at least one or two years of age. So it took them that long. They were that dedicated. They were that focused to give Jesus their attention and to give him their presence. So they traveled a long time to be in God's presence. And another great gift that we can give God, we can give others around Christmas time is our presence. And I'm not just talking about our physical presence because we're gonna give people that around Christmas, right? So we're gonna gather with family and friends around Christmas. But we all understand what it's like to be in a Christmas gathering physically, but not be there mentally or emotionally. Like, right, we know that. We watch family members that show up with their body, but their brain's not there. Their heart's not there. They don't want to be there. We've actually shown up at gatherings ourselves like that, right? 
You know, there's times we get around family and then within about five minutes, we fall back into these dysfunctional patterns of living and we start disengaging. And then we drive home wondering, why did I ever go to that event anyway? I didn't even want to be there. So we know what it's like to, to be in those environments where we're physically there, but not mentally there. And I'll say that some of you are doing it right now. Some of you are physically here, but your mind's somewhere else. And uh, if so, I get it because there are moments when I preach, my body's here, but my mind is somewhere else. So, so I understand that. We all know what that's like, but we can do that with God. We can be physically present around things of God, but not engaged with him. We can come to church out of habit, out of tradition, not hear what God's trying to say to us. We can read the Bible, not apply what we're learning. We can turn prayer into a hollow interaction with God, like an interaction with a vending machine, where we push the same buttons all the time and we expect stuff to come out. We expect God to give us because we prayed this prayer and we can turn an interaction with God into a hollow interaction. As a pastor, I see people do that all the time. And guess what? As a pastor, I can do that as well. I can fall into the same pattern. So what if this Christmas we were emotionally and mentally engaged with God and with others? So what if we attend our parties and our Christmas events and our church services and we brought our minds with our bodies? Like, how different of an experience would that be? I mean, it might be very different. Now, what if instead of dreading our Christmas interactions, we actively looked for ways to make our relationships better? What if instead of getting with people, we tolerate our time, looking at the clock, wondering when is the earliest time I can leave and not be completely offensive to everybody? What if we really paid attention to how other people around us are doing? Not just what they're saying, but how are they really doing? Like, what are they not saying? Like, what question have I not asked them lately? Like, like how could I get a little bit more into their world to understand what's going on in their life? Like, what if I were vulnerable? Ah, that's a scary thing around Christmas. It can be a scary thing around family, too. But what if we were? What if we were a little bit vulnerable? What if we invited others to be vulnerable around Christmas? This Christmas might be a little different if we engaged and gave people our presence, not just our bodies, but our minds and our emotions. It could be very different. A third thing that the wise men gave Jesus was their worship. And this is amazing to me. So, so get this. The wise men, they were wealthy, smart, powerful people. What did these wealthy, smart, powerful people do when they saw Jesus? Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 tells us that they bowed down to worship him. Some translations say that they fell down and worshiped him. Again, like put yourself in that spot in Mary and Joseph's eyes and you see these wealthy, smart, powerful people, they're bowing before your child and they're worshiping and they're giving expensive gifts to your child. So worship can mean several different things. It can mean praise, it can mean reverence, it, it can mean adoration. We often think of worship as what we do on Sundays at church. Like this morning, we had our worship team lead us in worship. And often that's what we think worship is. That is a part of it. But worship means a whole lot more than that. We can actually worship God with our lives. 
Romans chapter 12, verse one says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is the, truly the way to worship him. So we can worship God with our attention. We can worship God with our presence. We, sh- we can worship God with our praise and we can worship God with our lives. And I wonder if you're a Christ follower, how are you doing at that? How are you doing at really worshiping God? You know, we were created to worship. Whether you realize it or not, we all worship something or multiple somethings. You know, a lot of us worship the three Ps, power, possessions, and pleasure. There's another P as well, we worship people. We look at other people that we want to be in a relationship with in or, or we are in a relationship it, with and we worship them. Sometimes we worship ourselves and we worship the number of people who are following us on social media. You know, when we get one more person who follows us, man, we, we are so excited. And when we post something and someone hits a like, I'm like, man, that, that, that's like a dopamine high right there. But when we post something and somebody doesn't, like some, some of us enter a, a season of depression. Like, why didn't they give a like or a thumbs up or something? We worship a lot of different things other than God. And when we worship those things, we make them the center of our lives and we treat them as if they can give us the significance and fulfillment that we desire in life, but they never can. Why? Because there's always something else to achieve. There's always someone else to impress. There's always a new pleasure to pursue. There's always a new thing to buy. So the only thing that can bring us true significance and fulfillment is not a thing. It's God. He's the only one that can bring us that true significance. The Bible teaches we were created to worship him because he is the giver and sustainer of life. He's the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. And the wise men understood that. But do we understand that? And I don't mean, do we understand it here? I mean, do we understand it here? Like, do we really understand that we were created to worship the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the God who became human, who lived among us, who lived a perfect life, who took my sins on his shoulders, who took your sins on his shoulders and died so it could be possible for us to have eternal life. Do we really understand that that's what Christmas is all about? Do we get it? We need to. Because our eternity is based on understanding that. We need to understand that. So again, if you're a Christ follower, how are you doing at worshiping God because you're worshiping something. So like Linus reminded us, Christmas is about giving. It's about receiving. And it's about Christ. And this Christmas, we can give God and others our attention and our presence. And we can give God alone our worship. So I'm not sure which one of those things you need to work on this week or this Christmas season, but I encourage you to identify one of those things and focus on that this week and throughout the rest of this Christmas season. And again, if you are interested in re-examining Christianity or examining it for the first time, pick up our Spiritual Growth Challenge before you leave today. 
Now, in two weeks, we are going to have our Christmas Eve services. And I encourage you to be here for that. I encourage you to invite people to be here for that. So we have these invitation cards. They're at the back of each seating section. I encourage you to take a handful with you and hand them out, invite people to be here on campus or invite people to join us online as well. Now, our service times for this Christmas Eve will be our regular service times. It'll be 8.45, 10.15, and 11.45. So we're going to have our Christmas Eve services in the morning, so that will allow us to have the time that we need throughout the rest of the day to spend with family and friends in preparation for Christmas. So again, I hope that you will be here with somebody for that. And I have a special request for this Christmas Eve that's coming up. So our services are growing, and we've got a lot more people coming. We've recently added our our third service. Our first two services fill up quickly. Our parking lot fills up the fastest. And so here's my request. My request is for some of you to come to our third service. So you'll have a little bit more room. You'll get to sleep in a little later. So think about that. And I, I tell you that my jokes in the third service are better because I've tried them two times. And if they're not working, I'm not doing them again, okay? So you hear the crickets? Thank you, tech team, I appreciate that. So I'd love for you to consider coming to our third service. That will free up some space in our first and our second service for those that are coming, uh, that are new, that are interested in hearing more about Jesus. Now, as we close today, I just wanna remind you, we're about to enter a very busy season. And we're going to get wrapped up in a lot of things. At the end of the season, we just might feel like that. But we don't have to. So this year, we could slow down purposely. We could really focus on giving God our attention, our presence, and our worship. So for the next few minutes, I'm going to pray. And then after that, our worship team is going to close us in song. And while we're closing together, let's just slow down. And let's worship the creator of the universe who came to earth, lived the perfect life, and died so we can live forever. So let's pray together, and then let's worship our God. So God, thank you for the amazing stories in scripture, like the wise men. Lord, that you captured these true stories for us, for us to learn from. And Lord, it's amazing that However many wise men there were and wherever they were from, they gave you some very valuable gifts, more valuable than the gold, the frankincense and myrrh. That that stuff's gone. But they gave you their attention. They gave you their presence. They gave you their worship. Those are the things that we can give you as well, regardless of what our bank account looks like. So this Christmas, we want to slow down a little bit. We want to get back to the simple elements of Christmas, that it's about giving, it's about receiving, and it's about Christ. So Lord, as we think about giving to others and we think about giving to you, let's give our attention, our full focus on you and others. Let us give other people our presence where we're fully engaged with them and with you mentally, emotionally, and physically. And Lord, may this Christmas, may we give you the worship that you deserve. 
But we worship a lot of things, God. And when we worship the wrong things, we end up in a ditch in life. But Lord, we need to remind ourselves of who you are and that you're the only one worthy of our praise and our worship. So Lord, in this moment, we slow down just a little bit, enough to say, God, we really want a deeper relationship with you. We don't want anything else. So Lord, I pray that you would remind us of that throughout this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen.